wondering if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats that never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft, win the ship, and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible is the fantasy. Bible. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nathan Biner. Here today with me is Dane, as always. How are you doing, Dane? Doing great. Sorry for the hiatus last week. Uh, Nathan, why, why did we have a hiatus last week? So some things in life are unavoidable. And the thing is, like, last week, uh, it was actually our our 13th episode and uh you know 13 as many people know is a, a you know there's a lot of superstition that surrounds the number 13 and um you know dane and i were, were both on our game we recorded an excellent podcast for you guys well we spoke into the ether an excellent podcast for you guys about quarterback rankings, tight end rankings. Uh, you know, there was great debate, great conversation to be had. Great. And you'll insights. never hear it. <laughs> yeah. You will never hear it. Um, uh, because it was, it was not recorded. I will use the passive, uh, the passive, uh, voice there to say it was not recorded. No blame mm-hmm. can be ascribed there in that yeah. sentence. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you have to pass a recording button and sometimes you just, it just slips your mind. And it's a thing that happens to uh, all the best podcasts. You know, think of all the episodes we haven't heard. Interviews with figures such as Barack Obama. We had Schefter on our podcast, but we forgot to press record and we were just too yeah. embarrassed to go back to him. And so, like, there's a lot of great stuff that you guys don't know that's out there because this happens all the time to uh, innocent people. But this podcast, Air led to a, a, a beautiful beginning in that it finally uh, got us in gear to create the fantasybible.com. Dot com. Dot com. All right. So what's going to be on the fantasybible.com? You can find all our episodes, of course, um, as, as well as our latest episode on the bottom of the website. But most importantly, if you click on the scripture tab, you will find Dane and I's quarterback rankings. And maybe by the time you listen to the spot, our tight end rankings will be up there as well. That's right. We have a blog now. So you don't want to listen to the whole pod because you're not on a drive. You just said you have five minutes before work to catch up. You can head on over to uh, thefantasybible.com and read what Dane and I have to say in written form. And you can also contact us and ask us anything and we'll answer on the pod. Yeah, pretty exciting. So glad that we got, we had an excuse, should I say, to get that launched because it was something we've been talking about. We, well, Nathan solidified the domain a while ago, but we never had the, uh, the reason to start it. And now that we're getting closer to fantasy season, we got uh, obliterated a podcast that was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was the exact reason we needed to start rolling on there. So you can check it out. We'll be rolling out 
weekly articles, probably two a week for now, and then maybe it'll ramp up during the season. But uh, we also have another announcement I would like to make with you guys. We will be doing two podcasts a week during the fantasy football season, a.k.a. the NFL season also. So uh, here we are in July, but come kickoff day, September 9th, I believe, is the first game, Cowboys and Bucks. Starting then, we will have two episodes a week on Wednesdays and Fridays. So you can get double the action, double the fantasy Bible, double the enjoyment that you've been looking forward to for a while now. That's right. I'm super excited about this because, you know, now it's, I won't say we're scrounging for topics. Like there's, there's plenty of stuff to talk about, but at the same time, there's not a lot of new content to talk about. So it's kind of tough when we're still just relying on projection and speculation, but boy, come August, come September, when we get this thing really in gear and we get going to a week, it's it's just going to be nonstop analysis. Um, you guys are going to be needing to make you know decisions every week and you can tune in us and we can tell you how to make those decisions to win. All right. Um, do we have news? To, oh, today's episode. What are we doing today before we get into news, Dan? So today we will be giving you guys the top five quarterback and wide receiver stacks to obtain in your league the top five running back situations for success that you should be looking at and the top five breakout candidates. We each will have five candidates for each of these categories. It's going to be pretty exciting. We're covering a lot of territory here. I think I'm most excited for the top five breakouts. So you're going to have to stick with us through this episode. That's all I got there at the end. That's (laughs) where the good stuff is. There's no such thing as a fast forward button. All right. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. Another kind of ranking episode, but this one's a little different because we talk about like strategies that go a little deeper as far as the stack goes, as far as coaching situations for running backs and guys that uh, showed some potential last year. All right. Uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find us on social media and what our website is, and then we'll get into news. You can find us at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We will be putting out much more content as the league. Uh, the fantasy football season ramps up you can also find us at the fantasybible.com i believe that is our url that's pretty cool we have a website now welcome to a community where you can join on a website we have a place where you could submit questions so feel free to reach out there that's probably the best way to get to us so pretty awesome look for articles there We'll, we'll definitely be telling you when we're releasing stuff on the podcast as well so you know when to look and if you're curious, your questions go to the fantasybiblepod at gmail.com account, which Dane is checking religiously. So don't Every worry. day. <laughs> Every <will> day. Be. <laughs> 5 a.m. and 12 p.m. when I go to sleep, midnight. Uh, yep. All well, right. that would be 12 a.m. actually. Yeah. Yep. Dane, Dane has a, quite the schedule. All We're right. on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into news. So for the news, we have... All coach speak and mindless jargon that I don't care to report on. So I would like to replace this with a mystery question because we have a lot of content to cover. I'm not going to bore you guys with news that doesn't matter because if it did matter, I'd be so happy to tell you guys. I can't think of a single thing that matters. It's it's really Mario and Terry got arrested for murder. Right. And nobody knows who that is because I do. He's not not a skilled position player that is even fantasy relevant remotely. So yeah, no news today, but a mystery question I have, and I want to make it a little fun, a little lighthearted. I just moved. I'm tired of being serious. I've been serious for a week doing manual labor. So what do you think would be the ideal 
last place punishment for a fantasy football league to have because there's been a lot of buzz about it in our main league, but we've never implemented one and a pretty common one that gained a lot of traction on Twitter a week ago. And it pretty much does every year is the waffle house challenge where the loser of the league, the last place finisher has to sit in waffle house for 24 hours, but every waffle he eats shaves an hour off his time. So he's stuck in this waffle house unless he eats the amount of waffles to make up the difference to leave. And that's pretty cool. It seems to be popular on the internet. Yeah, uh, I think I'll go first since I'm posing a mystery question, give you a little time to get the juices flowing. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite one I actually saw in person. I was just driving. I don't know where I was probably going to like the Salvation Army or something, trying to get some discount items. And I saw at the gas station to my right at a stoplight, there was a guy in a banana suit holding a sign and said, I'm the last place fantasy football finisher. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was there when I went there and when I went back, like he was there for a couple hours. I thought that was pretty awesome and creative. Yeah, I'm kind of a simple guy. So I'll mention a couple that I like. I really like the, that first one you mentioned. And I think, you know, if I had time to think something really involved, which it's a shame that we haven't yet, but my, by far, my favorite is the uh, getting the league tat uh, logo tattooed on your ass is, is by far and away my favorite punishment, just a small tattoo of the PJPL logo. Oh on, my uh, God. Like that's like, but the thing is I will never come in last place. I swear it guys, it's never going to happen. So I like, maybe that's why I like that one, but I also like it because, you know, I think, I don't know, on your ass, it's kind of a cool tattoo to have. And it's free Um, advertising for the, for her league. Yeah. (laughs) For all the people who are going to see that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'll, they'll start flashing it because you have a cool tattoo to show off. (laughs) So that's one of my favorites. It's, it's simple. It's pure. It's delightful. Um, I also like this one doesn't really have the payoff, but I just like it in terms of brutality that you have to like register for and take the SAT. Oh, I've heard of that <laughs> one. That one is amazing. Yeah, and then, I love it. And you have to post your results to your league mates as well. Yeah. 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 What I don't love about it is it's like, I, it's kind of fun, but it's like you, I want to see something happen. Like, like maybe you yeah. have to drink a 12 pack and then get like, we get to each member in the league gets to whip you once. Or something. Oh my God. <laughs> best, right, it's best recommended for eight <laughs> um it's been a great mystery question but with that we need to move on <laughs> um that's the, the last one is the one i recommend no i i don't know it, it's tough to say but anything with alcohol is good though i would say all right yeah let's get into these uh rankings room for a sponsor there but yeah let's move on (laughs) yeah yeah so someone's going to sponsor us after that segment high noon if you're watching you got us anyway you drink a lot of high noons all right they're pretty good so uh quarterback stack rankings how did you look at these because i kind of just did it pretty simple and i added their average point per game from last year as kind of like the baseline and then factored in a few other things but for the most part it's pretty chalked to that Yeah, I think I'm pretty chalk. And I think this is the section we'll spend the least amount of time on. For me, it was what is like the floor of the stack. And then after I factored that in, I was like, what is the ceiling? And the third tiebreaker, I think, for a couple of these was what is the floor and ceiling for the quarterback specifically? Because a lot of these top receivers in the NFL, they have similar ceilings week to week, but there are certain quarterbacks that have a differentiating factor in their floor. So I think that was a big thing for me, but 
I, I'm pretty sure we will have a consensus number one here. It's Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill for me. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to add before we get into the full list is like something sure. I think we can talk about here is not necessarily like the, I mean, the ranking itself is interesting, but also like what's it going to take to acquire these players? Cause this first one, that's a Mahomes good point. Hill, you're not, you're overpaying. This. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. not getting this in any snake draft because then you're using your first and your second. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's the top duo in points per game. It's because you can't have it. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can't have it. Exactly. So you have it in Dynasty, which was an auction league, and anyone playing auction could do it. But it'd be the same situation in terms of allocation of dollars, whether it's points Correct. or whatever. So, um, But yeah, real quick, Mahomes, 253 Points per game, held 19 points per game, averages out to 43.3 points per game. Um, yeah, that's really, I mean, what else do we have to say? That's insane. From two roster spots, you're pretty much guaranteeing 43 points a week. That, mm-hmm. That's insane. Um, who do you have at number two? Because I'm sure we might start diverging at some point. I bet we have the same five, 10 players, but uh, maybe in different spots. That's most likely. Potentially, we don't. But I have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs as number yeah, two. That's what Josh, I have as well. Josh Allen will have the most rushing touchdowns, is my prediction, in 2021. That itself gives him a leg up on every other quarterback in the league. He might not have as many rushing yards as Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, and that's fine because he makes up for it in the passing game. We saw what he could do last year, finish as quarterback number one. He had so many highlight plays man he he just looks so good and stefan diggs helped him look good that's why that's why we're talking about josh allen in the first place stefan diggs was probably the best acquisition in the offseason last year oh man i can't wait to see these highlights next year of uh josh allen to stefan diggs it's going to be amazing yeah i mean josh allen uh you know there's a chance he regresses everybody seems to expect regression but what if he takes another Mm -hmm. step and you yeah, know, like that's like when you talk about ceiling, it's absurd. And like you said, Diggs probably the best route runner in the league, the top three receiver certainly in the league. Um, and what's nice about Diggs that you can't quite say about Hill, although Hill was very productive game to game last year, is Diggs is the clear number one target on his team, where Hill and Kelsey True. are kind of like one A, one B week to week. And that's kind of nice from a consistency standpoint. Um, who you have at number three? So you also had Josh Allen? Oh, yeah, I had Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. I just okay, think that's very cool, yeah. yeah I thought you Josh, might go Kyler Murray there. No, I have Kyler Murray next. Me too. I have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, number three. Pretty clear-cut top three for us both, I think. It was yeah. not much thought going in there. Like, if I'm drafting two players from the same offense, these are the top three that I want. And beyond that, I'm not even really seeking it out. Like, if it happens, it happens, but I, I wouldn't. So I think we should kind of like say, why would you want to do this in your fantasy league? Like, why would you want to stack these positions on the same team? Like we should probably preface this with a little bit of context. Like why, why is it a good idea? Why might it be a bad idea? Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting thing because it, it, to me, it's something that works out more in theory than in practice, but when it works out in practice, it's a beautiful thing. Like, uh, you look at DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson last year, who our league mate Jacob had. For the first, I don't know, what was it, eight or nine weeks? It was stack, a nightmare. <laughs> that stack was winning you. Every week. Every week. That stack alone 
was winning you weeks. And because if you pair, if you pair them the right way, it's going to be incredibly productive. Um, so the downside there is that Jacob started dropping games a little bit on the back half of the season. He had a very strong team overall, so not a lot of games, but because Russell Wilson and DK both kind of fell off, you know, mm -hmm. it, it allows you to tie a wide receiver, which I believe is a more variable position than the quarterback yes. position to the quarterback position, which is, has more stability over the course of the season. So mm -hmm. you, you're similarly like you invest in a quarterback when you draft a wide receiver anyway, well, then you actually get that quarterback and the points that they're producing is, is what I would say. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think it's important to say like, if you're stacking a quarterback and wide receiver, it, it in most cases should be the de facto wide receiver one on that offense. Otherwise, it's not as relevant because that quarterback could have a boom week. But if you're drafting the wide receiver two or three on that team, it's not going to be as it's not going to relate as much to the success that that quarterback had that week. So that's why I think every single one of these rankings that we have are going to be the wide receiver one and a top eight wide uh, quarterback. So. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, real quick, I, just because I don't think I said it, in case anyone cares, 25.3 <laughs> points per game for Allen, 16.6 for Diggs, averaging out to 41.9. Murray's at 24.4. Hopkins is at 14.4. That's 38.8. So you see a little bit of a drop-off. I just think the floor is incredibly high here. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there's and, no way you're finishing with less than 30 points a week on those guys. And that would be the absolute floor. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and, uh, you know, we said it last week in the ghost pod, but, uh, <laughs> Murray, we both kind of agreed would, and you can read it in our rankings would be the QB one if he doesn't injure his shoulder last year. So that really impacted in the tail half of the season, their production. So I think like it's a little bit, um ingenuous you know the, the the numbers here like they would be significantly higher for both of them because obviously the production is tied together um and you know we've talked about how hopkins doesn't really or didn't work over the middle last year he worked at the perimeter and did a lot of short routes in the perimeter had a very limited route tree partially due to kyler murray's I don't know, unwillingness or inability to work the middle of the field. Perhaps it's a height issue. Like, no, I don't mean that in a meme way. I mean, I do believe it is a height issue. It seems like it could yeah. be seriously be a height issue. He's still, five, still eight, a, think, yeah, right? still a baller. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. still a baller. But um, if they can find a way to script that into his game, maybe it's like with rollouts and then he throws across his body. If he can get that technique down to like see more of the middle of the field. But, um, you know, I think that like the second year in a new offense for Hopkins could be a, a real factor if that uh, is a factor, you know, with the whole COVID year and how things were wonky last year, like they could outproduce what they did last year. So that's why I have them over number four. Well, do you have anything to add about Kyler Murray and Hopkins? No, I don't. I think we're pretty much guaranteed a certain amount of volume with Hopkins through a 17 week uh, league or league season. I think that we will see 150 targets at minimum for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't, I don't see any reason to doubt that nobody on that wide receiving core is going to challenge yeah. him. For AJ that Green is not changing that. No. You know, they, Christian be, Kirk, Rondell Moore, yeah. none of those guys are changing that. Yeah. There's supplementary characters in that offense and that's it. Like if anything, DeAndre Hopkins. AJ Green will pull maybe some coverage. 
Yeah, yeah. Based on what his jersey says on the back between his shoulder blades, yeah, that's probably it. Because yeah. <laughs> he, because he's not burning a defense these days, and nope. that's <laughs> and that's even more reason to trust in the DeAndre Hopkins asset. And I'm curious to see who you have for number four. I have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So do I. Excellent. Yeah, if we knew for certain Aaron Rodgers was on the Packers, I think it might be different, but. But I think, well, like I said earlier, the rushing floor and rushing upside that Kyler Murray and Josh Allen give you, I think, is the separator here. If we're talking about stacks, like both assets combining for a total against each other, yeah, then then Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams take a little step down to Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, who have that. They can score two rushing touchdowns in one week. Like that is mm-hmm. a league-winning league or a week-winning uh, performance. Yeah, I mean, you can read it in our QB rankings, but rushing floors with Danny and I are both all about. Uh, also, real quick, Murray and Hopkins, as well as Rodgers and Adams, are the first like reasonably acquirable stacks in this list. Because That's Allen true, and Diggs yeah. are going to be a similar cost to Mahomes and Hale. But uh, Murray, Murray's seemingly getting a little disrespected in drafts, it seems. Like, he's going in the sixth, when to me, he should be going... Oh, wow. I've seen him been. I've seen him going in the f- late fourth, early fifth. Okay, and I don't see why it's much different than Josh Allen, who's going at like third round. Like, like I don't see a big drop off there. So that's that's something you can take advantage of if you want to draft Josh Allen. I would recommend you don't and draft Kyler Murray around late. Yeah, or Lamar Jackson around later, seemingly. Yeah. Um, all right, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Uh, of all the, they had the highest points per game. I mean, to be honest, if you add yeah. them together, because yeah. Adams is so absurd. Um, Rogers ha- is is still fourth in in points per game on this list, uh, but but Adams is first for for obvious reasons. So there's reasons like arguments as to why this could be number one. But for me, the uncertainty with Rogers at this point, the fact that in 2019 he averaged 17 points per game, mm-hmm. which would put him at this point on this list. If you add uh, like uh, him to Adams total from the year prior, because Adams didn't play in 2019. Um, but yeah, like we, we said this on the ghost pod, Aaron Rodgers could regress. Like even if he regresses to 10 touchdowns, he's still going to be throwing 13 more touchdowns than the previous two years. So it's like, there's a, there's a reason to believe there's a high floor as well. And this is one of the easiest stacks to acquire. But, uh, yeah, we just don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I hate even talking about it because it's, you know, it's saturating the media when there is not much news. It's always, oh, there's a potential clause July 2nd that Aaron Rodgers could opt <laughs> yeah, out. The, the silver bullet. They got the silver <laughs> bullet. That's what I heard. Yeah. So. Such a sensationalist yellow journalism <laughs> title. Like, I hate it. But uh, yeah. let's move on to number five. I bet you we have the same stack. You did mention it in context earlier. Uh, Russell, Russell Wilson and DK yeah. Metcalf. I love, man, we are locked in lockstep. Yeah. We found very alike with this ranking list. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's any conversation to even say that somebody else has a better stack. Like, we saw what they can do at their ceiling and they could be number one and number one at their position in a week. And that's enough reason to put them in top five. Like you could win a week just by having two players. Yeah. And, and Russ is getting disrespected as well. I've seen him yeah. go in the sixth and seventh. Yeah. This, this is probably my favorite stack on the list because it's so easy to acquire. I did yeah. in the dynasty league where arguably Russ has a little less value because he's in his thirties, but he could still play for five more years 
and he was eight mm-hmm. eight dollars just because of his quote unquote late season collapse. Russell Wilson has always been an inconsistent player. He always goes on runs and has seemingly drinks. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to happen, but you're still getting so much production when he's hot. DK has nowhere to go from up. Um, yeah, you, so uh, Russell Wilson was QB6 last year. DK Metcalf was, was wide receiver seven, and you're getting those guys probably in the second and seventh round. It's just a great foundation to build your team on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so obviously a little bit of concerns here. We don't know what the play calling is going to look like. We don't know, but... It's seemingly with Russ's power play in the offseason, they're, they're probably going to turn the reins back over to him, at least until things go awry and uh, Pete Carroll has to play the run the run game guy again. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good take. And I, I did touch on the potential pitfalls of Russell Wilson in my quarterback article ranking list in the uh, fantasybiblepod.com so if you want to <laughs> no, just more, the fantasybible.com oh the fantasybible.com yeah. ignore what i just said <laughs> because we're we're not just a podcast Dan. we're a media we're conglomerate yeah oh, we are a, we're a conglomerate <laughs> we went very different directions so. we are a tycoon <laughs> <laughs> we're also a community are right, you only any of these running backs oh i would love to let's see i think this is going to be very i think we're not going to have the top players at all i think we're going to be very different here yeah so before we get into it do you want to preface like what this category entails yes so this is running back situations situations to be clear not talent not where you should draft these players this is a combination of how good is their offensive line especially at run blocking what is their offensive play calling what is the percentage of run pass splits for this team and what is the depth chart look like who are they splitting carries with? Mm-hmm. So those are the things I took into account. Uh, a couple other factors that did factor into play. But yeah, uh, who do you have at number one on this list? This is the Cleveland Browns. I don't think it's a hot take at all. It's yeah, I have Nick Chubb. Yeah. Yeah, so so are were you ranking teams or No, I ranked players. players. So this okay. is interesting. Yeah, I ranked so, players. So <laughs> this is a, a good... Uh, conversation to have about how well we discuss things before we <laughs> <laughs> no it gives us two perspectives because you could I think this is good yeah Nick Chubb is not in as good a situation because of Kareem Hunt but I factored that into my argument and I still have Nick Chubb mm-hmm. at number one because of the strength of the Cleveland Browns which you can speak to right now yeah i absolutely agree with that there are some people who would say well he splits work with kareem hunt and he had an rb1 season before okay sure but i think what that does for your team is it keeps nick chubb healthy and it keeps him efficient Mm -hmm. every run he takes he's getting five yards or carry or more like on average like this is the best running back duo in the league. Nick Let's Chubb see. is one of the best pure runners, and especially Absolutely. in terms of efficiency in the re- league. Um, 18 touches a game last year. That's not – that's uh, that's RB1 numbers. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What do you want? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, excuse me, 18 attempts. That's not – like, that's not – I didn't even factor in the few receptions that he usually has. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Um, I mean, it's the best offensive line in football right now. All yeah. five starters from last year are returning. Um, the weakest tackle last year was Jedrick Wills, who was a rookie. You know, so he's going to be much better, obviously, this year. Stefanski, uh, oh, pass play percentage. What do you think? Uh, all right, let's say, what do you think they rank in terms of how often they pass the ball? 
So I did look this up, but I oh, did <laughs> but I but I didn't stat it for the Browns specifically. Okay. So I would say third. Fourth, no, how often maybe. they pass the ball? Oh, sorry. How often? Oh, so well, you you got it. It's 29th. 29th. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what yeah. I would guess. So you said there it's the exact same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They run the ball in 48% of their plays. So guys, there's enough work to go around for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Plus, we saw the usage breakdown last year mm. where Hunt would kind of finish out the games. Um, yeah, anything else to add about Cleveland and Nick Trev? Yeah, I mean, they've got the number one PFF grade projected for the 21 se- 2021 season for their offensive line. Their head coach and system, you know, we know what they want to do, and that's run the ball. And they have the line, they have the talent, they have everything to do it. I have no doubt in my mind that they will have the most rushing success in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... They're they're like of all the teams that I looked at that are run first teams, except for one that I'll talk about a little later. They are best equipped to be a run first team. Yeah, if, if that makes 100%, sense. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, I'm curious what team you have at number two. So number two, a lot of it was clarity and continuity in the coaching staff and what I expect them to do this year. And that is the Tennessee Titans with Derrick uh, Derek Henry. Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Because so at least we are in some alignment here. Yeah. Yeah. I expected I was concerned because you said you went a little spicy with these takes. And I was like, well, how can you not rank the Browns, Titans, and then my third ranking top three? So I'm curious to see who might have three. But uh yeah, for Derrick Henry, like we know he's getting the workload. Like there's not a doubt in my mind that he will ever not get that workload unless he is injured. And of course, that's not relevant to these conversations. And the Titans scored the number four points. Uh, they had the number four points scored last year in the NFL. It's like their defense is not as good as maybe you thought they were just based on years prior. So they are competing in these games by scoring points. So that means a lot of scoring opportunities for Derrick Henry. He had 2,026 rushing yards last year. Even if he downgrades a, a bit, he will still have those <laughs> What's he touchdown have? opportunities. Rushing yards? Yeah. yeah. Like oh he... no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... He'll still get the opportunity to just score every single game. So they, the people are probably asking, why is he below Nick Chubb when Nick Chubb's footing with Kareem Hunt? Well, even though Tennessee ran the ball in 52% of their snaps last year, that was with Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. Arthur Smith is gone. Enter yep. Tad Downing. We talked about him in the blog. We talked about him in the ghost pod. Uh, mm-hmm. not a great history there in terms of offensive coordination. And they don't have a top 10 offensive line. Um, they were sixth in run blocking, uh, but 25th in pass blocking. And I know we're talking about rushing, but obviously these things feed into each other. Um, they spent a first round pick on a tackle last year that they had to release. And now they're betting on another uh, second round pick a tackle to win their right tackle job. So uh, the line's not as good and the play calling could be worse. So, Henry's still as high because obviously the entire offense flows through him. Yeah. But they're, they're, the situation is a downgrade, and we're talking about situations. All right. So here's where I think I kind of maybe big-brained it. I don't know if big-brained is the right word, but I overthought this player, and I have him at number three in terms of situation, and it is Damian Harris. So I have him as my number four, and I didn't uh, think you would even – agree in the slightest to this. So this is going to be a good conversation. Let's talk about this thoroughly before I get into my number three and just know that it is also my number four spot, the new England Patriots. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. Cause I'm a Pats fan. If you so, didn't know, 
Yeah, I did know this. And I am fascinated with what is going on with the Pats. And the one thing I want to say is, obviously, this is a ranking of situations, not the running backs themselves. But Damian Harris looked good last year. He was actually the second highest graded running back on PFF. Mm-hmm. Um, he There's a lot of buzz about him taking the reins at the running back one position coming out of, you know, like whatever coach speak is, that's that's what's coming out. Obviously, Sonny Michelle has never looked good to me, except for that one Rams playoff. Like when they played mm-hmm. their, that one, that playoff run was incredible. And that's the only time yeah. he has looked good. Um, so it's, but it's more about what the Patriots seem to want to do with their team. They seem to want to move to more of like away from horizontal timing based routes and more into like a vertical attack with a power rush. That's what they want to do with Cam. And if they want to do it with Mac Jones, I see Mac Jones as kind of a Baker Mayfield analog mm-hmm. and sort of setting up the play action off the running game and just uh, creating explosive plays there. And also when I got into the numbers, they were the only, like one of the only other teams that ran more than they passed for more than 50% of their plays last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line, Shaq Mason is a powerful run blocker. Uh, Michael on hard name to say, powerful and versatile run blocker. And then Isaiah Wynn is like one of the best run blockers in the league. So it has a lot to do with the line and what the direction of the offensive uh, strategy of the, of the team. Yeah. I think that pretty much you pretty much encapsulated everything that I was thinking. I'm super excited that you thought that this was a good opportunity as well for a running back. And the only reason I have that number four and not number three is because that I think Cam Newton will start the season and that just caps the upside of Damian Harris, Damian Harris a lot because he will not have as many goal line opportunities to score. Cam Newton had so many goal line uh, rushing touchdowns and he does not catch the ball, Damian Harris, a lot. Why am I saying that? Harris? Damian yes. Harris. Damian Harris. Yeah. Yeah, he's an Alabama product, by the way. Yeah, like, like he's not a pass catching uh, running back on this offense. So we see a lot of that ceiling capped by Cam Newton being the quarterback and him not having rushing or sorry, pass catching upside as a running back. So, but Derek Henry doesn't have pass catching, not to say they're similar. Correct. If they want to run, Nick Chubb doesn't have a ton. He catches the ball more than you would think, but he doesn't exactly have pass catching upside. You know what I mean? Right. And that's, I think why we're talking about it in the first place, because he has the opportunity where things could shake his way, but to me, if Cam Newton is the quarterback, then he's not on this list in the top five at all. I don't but, see Cam Newton being the quarterback. Have you seen? I mean, okay, I know it's just OTAs, but have I you think seen those clips of Cam Newton throwing the ball. Yes, but I think <laughs> they will start the season with Cam Newton, so that will immediately affect Damian Harris's like uh, asset value. Like he's not going to be considered in the top twenty something running backs if. Cam Newton is the quarterback. So what I, yeah, the point I wanted to make here is that he could be of a, a value in your drafts because oh, I do, absolutely. I do believe that Mac Jones will be the quarterback within the first few games, maybe four or five. I don't know when their bye week is. I don't think it's at the very beginning of the season, but I think that if we see two to three bad games from Cam Newton, they will start Mac Jones. And mm-hmm. if, if they start Mac Jones, Damian Harris will shoot up the, position rankings like at least 10 to 12 to 15 spots like he's going to get work sony michelle is not going to take work away from him he will be just you know the 30 percent running share secondary running back james white will take the pass catch pass catching out of the backfield and that's that's the biggest knock you can say about damian harris right now i think because 
he has upside. Mac Jones will be the quarterback sometime this year. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And yeah, I mean, they they showed what they wanted to do in the offseason. They have the number three graded O-line projected by PFF for 2021. They were number in, number two in rushing play percentage last year. And they have the highest paid tight end duo in the league, which means they're going to have them out there a lot. They're going to be running those 12-man schemes a lot, which is one running back, two tight ends. That means you want to run the ball. And even if they don't have Cam Newton, they still have Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry on the field. Like They're looking to exploit this this scheme. And I think not a lot of people are talking about Damian Harris right now, and they should be. Yeah. Two things so far. One, uh, why? Why are the Patriots doing this? Because of the trend in football personnel. Um, you know, like the game is getting quicker, faster, smaller. Look at the some of the wide receivers drafted in the top 10 this year. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are small for football players, you know. So it's like the idea is the defensive personnel has adjusted to account for these smaller, quicker players. Maybe the counter strategy is to go bigger, thicker, do power runs and break through the thinner defensive personnel. Like, you know, like uh, I love the idea that I think it was the chargers that rolled out seven defensive backs to stop Lamar Jackson. Cause they were like, you know what, if we got a bunch of small, fast guys out there, <laughs> It, they eventually like we can we can be as fast as this guy and it's like the patriot solution to that tactic is we're just going to be bigger than you and we're going to pull through you and that's kind of cool the other thing is why is mac jones starting this year it's because i don't think bill belichick is immune to the optics of the situation of like brady's gone they're not great their hand-picked quarterback in cam newton has not performed well he doesn't I think his shoulder is completely shot. Yeah. It, it doesn't look promising. So the quarterback that they spent a the first round pick, I don't know, there's going to be a lot of pressure to start him. And I don't think as, as stalwart as the franchise is that they're immune to that pressure. Totally agree. Glad we can talk about Damian Harris in similar capacity on this list. Yes. Who do you have at number three? It's the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. I mean, uh, how I did not you... rank uh, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, how can? But uh, I don't. I don't understand how you can't have him in your top five. He's because, he's my first honorable mention, but I've I've got other guys that I think are have more opportunity. Or no, excuse well, me. Well, that's wrong. Yeah, uh, opportunity is not the right word. I kind of tried to factor in evenly the play calling, the rankings, and and the death chart, all that kind of stuff. And the offensive line is very bad in Minnesota. It's still very bad and to me i was like yeah. so we're taking a like a running back that's another year older that has more rushes that is historically injury prone and putting him behind a bad line listen i still think he's worth the number two pick in the draft but if i'm ranking situations that's there's a lot of red flags about the situation for me i guess i could see where you're coming from but for for similar reasons i think we have so much clarity that he will get all of the opportunity in this offense. They ran, they were number six last year in rushing play percentage. Like they will not fall any farther than that, in my opinion. Like maybe they'll be number eight in rushing play percentage, which means Dalvin Cook is on the field getting touches and he is involved in the passing game. So, so I don't, I mean, yeah, we're talking about rushing situations. So maybe the passing game is not as much of a factor in this conversation, but I do think that Justin Jefferson's emergence as a top rookie wide receiver and Adam Thielen still being there, that'll keep defenses honest. 
It opens up the second level for Dalvin Cook if he breaks that first tackle, which he's very good at. He's a monster when you give him any kind of open space. Like, I don't see any regression in the amount of run plays that they call this year. And it's such a clear-cut depth chart there, like like you mentioned earlier, how you rank them. Like, Dalvin Cook is just getting the work. Not, not a doubt in my mind. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, a lot what went into my mind is like, all right, who are players in like good situations for success? And I totally agree that he's in that situation from an opportunity standpoint, and he would probably be number six on this list for me. But the line is bad, and the volume historically has resulted in injuries for him. So it's just like, um, you know, I just didn't quite, he didn't quite make it into my top five. Um, I have it for a player who I'm sure you're going to disagree with. Uh, and that is JK Dobbins. I don't know if Baltimore is on your list here. Interesting. They're not just because of how I mentioned the poaching ability of Cam Newton. It's even more so with Lamar Jackson. I would disagree. I don't think Lamar Jackson is quite as, as much of a poster. Cam Newton at the goal line where you want your running back to run the ball in is where they use Cam Cam Newton. Lamar Jackson does a little bit of that, but most of his touchdowns are 20, 15, 10. Like they're, they're from out distant because he, he's more of a, a much more explosive, elusive runner than, than Cam Newton is. Cam Newton mm-hmm. is a powerful runner. Um, so I think J.K. Dobbins, uh, maybe there's uh, rose-colored glasses in terms of the talent, but like despite Lamar Jackson, despite Gus Edwards, I think that having Lamar Jackson makes the defense essentially dedicate extra linebackers or extra resources in some way to stopping Lamar Jackson, Jackson, which leaves more room on the field for, for J.K. Dobbins. Um, and also there's like buzz that he's going to be coordinated into the passing game more this year. Plus when we talk about rushing snaps, Baltimore ran the ball from 56, almost 60%. Well, I guess that's mm-hmm. not almost 60%, but 56% of their plays, which is the highest on the list by far. I think there's snaps to go around even with Lamar's action, Jackson. And then, uh, when we talk about the, uh, the line, it's a, it's a good line. It's an excellent it's similar to Tennessee where their, their run blocking is better than their pass blocking, but they they rank uh, 12th on the PFF list. They lost Ronnie Stanley to injury last year, which was a big factor in them not being ranked higher. And uh, the other issue is, of course, they replaced Orlando Brown with Villanueva, but I think Villanueva is good enough at this point in his career. And then they added Zeitler guard, who's a solid run blocker. Um, so I don't know. I just think the line is good. I think Lamar Jackson helps more than it hurts when you really get into it. And uh, yeah, I think the talent also adds, adds a big factor here. I, I just like the situation, JK. I have been growing. If I did redid my rankings, my running back rankings today, JK Dobbins would be significantly higher because I have just been kind of, kind of getting more and more hype on him lately. That's funny. Cause I've been taking the opposite uh, route there. Like, I initially loved J.K. Dobbins as an asset in the second round you could acquire this year, but I think that it's it's just an uncertainty there. Like, he's risky. There's a lot of risk involved here in my mind because Lamar Jackson will take some touchdowns. But, yes, I do agree wholeheartedly that Lamar Jackson's rushing prowess does increase the efficiency per touch of J.K. Dobbins. 
And J.K. Dobbins does not get the lion's share of touches here. He splits work with both Lamar Jackson himself and Gus Edwards, who just got resigned to a pretty good contract for two years. So they are investing in their second running back. They definitely want to keep all these guys healthy because that's how they get to the playoffs with their play calling. But they're they're running thirty like twenty to thirty percent more running plays a game than other teams. So it's like, yeah, there's more splits, but there's also a lot more opportunity. Yes, but when you say running plays, that includes every rushing play that Lamar Jackson has. So, so you can say that, but also it's because their quarterback runs the most of any quarterback in the league. But it's so, not by coincidence that he runs the most. It's because like their offensive coordinator is a run game coordinator. So he's coordinating Lamar Jackson in concert with the other. He's, it's not like Lamar Jackson is just scrambling and stealing. It's like, we're going to run Lamar on this play. And then we're going to run JK Dobbins on this play. I just think, uh, you know, I also think that the passing game is going to open up a lot more this year because they brought in a new passing game coordinator to help with that. The fact that, you know, they only had, they're probably last in passing yards last year. I, I don't have that up in front of me, but if I had to guess, it would, it would certainly be towards the bottom. They were close. I think Cam Newton was worse. But who do you think has more rushing attempts, Lamar Jackson or J.K. Dobbins? Um, it's Lamar Jackson. That's yeah. my point there. Well, because so, but J.K. Dobbins was a rookie last year, and they sure. used him in. But you, but you can't say that he's going to supersede Gus Edwards after the contract signing and the fact that we saw this uh, splitting in the backfield last year, like, no, dude, I think they like Gus Edwards is almost like, like, I think the situation is very similar to Nick Chubb. And then you factor in Lamar Jackson. Like, I don't think Gus Edwards is really a factor. And I think Lamar Jackson is somewhat of a factor, but I also think that they run the, they run the ball more than Cleveland. So it, it opens up more opportunity. And I don't mean they run the ball like in past tense of like they ran the ball counting Lamar Jackson I mean their offensive game plan is to run the ball whether it's through their running backs or Jackson I I, I'm just getting pretty high on Dobbins so who do you think had more rushing attempts between J.K. Dobbins and and Gus Edwards I would say probably Gus Edwards because they use him as a closer yes so what I'm saying is there's a risk here that's why I don't have jk dobbins as high as i thought i would want to like i love jk dobbins as a talent he's a phenomenal runner i love to watch the him. efficiency the field. is insane and, and yes the, the because of lamar jackson but the opportunity is going to go up like he was a rookie he's he, it's they would talk about getting him more involved in the game plan it's possible yes but what i'm saying is it takes projection in your mind and it takes projection to get him to that you know few spots above where he is right now like I'm just saying there's risk with projecting him that high. All right. So CEH, J.K. Dobbins, Chris Carson, and Joe Mixon. How do you have those four ranked? CEH, Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins, Chris Carson. I don't know if there was another name, but that's pretty much. That's it. Yeah, that's Mm. what I got. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Probably. Yeah. No, I would say CEH, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Mixon, Chris Carson. Yeah, and I can live with that. Like, if you want to put him above Joe Mixon, like, I'm not, I'm not arguing that he can't finish there. I'm just saying that there's a risk. Like, that's what I want to bring, bring to the conversation because 
we saw him explode on plays last year and his efficiency was phenomenal, but guess what? So was Gus Edwards. So was Lamar Jackson and they will all be taking touches. There's no allegiance to having J.K. Dobbins get more of a workload. We're just hoping that he does. And for me, that's like not enough reason to buy in at an early, like round two, mid round two pick. That's fair. I'm a, I'm definitely looking at him at RB2 in, in most drafts just based on my draft position because I don't yeah. think CEH lasts to me. Um, did you want to say anything about New England before we move on to number five? Uh, no, you, we pretty much covered it. I said all the points I wanted to uh, to make when you mentioned them. Sweet. So I think uh, I think this is probably where we'll differ based on player and situation, but I have Aaron Jones at five. Definitely differing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably come close to agreeing with you if we knew for certain Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback. I'm just kind of assuming Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be the quarterback. Yeah. I would agree. But even if he's not, they're going to rely more more on Aaron Jones. Yeah. Right. But then I would argue that they won't have as many scoring opportunities. They won't stay on the field as long. His yeah. passing upside goes way down. No, there's a lot of, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, but I think Rodgers will be back. So that's kind of what I factored in. Right. Here. So for this conversation, yeah, let's assume Rodgers is on the Green Bay Packers. I do like Aaron Jones as a running back, but I don't think their situation is necessarily like one of the top five. But Jamal like Williams is gone. So like Aaron Rodgers, they have AJ Dillon. So yeah, he's not a pass catcher. Oh, dude, I saw nothing out of AJ Dillon last year. Oh no, no, I think you're wrong just based on what I saw. But he's the new Quadzilla, bro. (laughs) I don't know, dude. I think the hype on AJ Dillon is misfounded. I think Aaron Jones is a beast. They signed him to a long term contract, which like yeah, when they do that with a running back, he's going to get a ton of opportunities. Um, This team was 11th in run pass splits. Uh, but Jones is used more in the past game. Uh, the efficient, the running back scheme that LaFleur uses is very similar to the Shanahan running back offense where they create schematic mismatches. But the difference is there like, aren't a stable of running backs to choose from. There's two last year. There were three. So, uh, they also finished 2020 with the number two ranked line in the league. I didn't see where they were in the 2021 rankings, but they lost a couple, they lost Corey Lindsley. Obviously, but it's like if Aaron Rodgers is there, it's it's Aaron Jones is like in running back paradise. I I, I just think uh, like there are other lines that are better, and there's play calling that is more run focused. But I think the Aaron Rodgers factor and the decency of the line and the style of a run game play calling. Uh, all factors into Aaron Jones being ranked number five for me, but I'm sure whoever you mentioned is going to be in my, uh, I have five quick honorable mentions to talk about. Okay. I thought about doing honorable mentions, but I didn't, I just wanted to like keep it focused, but this so is the only one I did it for. Cause it's so, I don't know. It's kind of a very flexible list. That's fair. To add to your context, the Green Bay Packers were ranked 15 middle of the pack by PFF for their 2021 offensive line grade. I think it was mostly Rodgers and Aaron Jones doing the favor there last year. So, oh, absolutely not. I mean, Corey Lindsley is like a top ranked center. And yeah, they also but, lost Billy Wagner. But there are what five people on the offensive line. That doesn't mean that they have an overall. I'm just saying, you're the you're the PFF guy of this podcast. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is like, 
PFF is probably factoring in three things. They're factoring in two, the loss of two players, um, which yes. is is real. But then they're also probably factoring in some Aaron Rodgers juju that they just don't know how to cope with. It's hey, funny. Whether it's subconscious or not. It's so funny because in their rankings, they're like, the biggest question mark is Corey Lindsley. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like exactly opposite of what you're saying. Um, but yeah. we can move on. I don't want yeah. to talk right. about yeah, this yeah, much yeah. longer. Yeah, 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 yeah. My number five, Kansas City Chiefs, dude. I didn't talk about the Chiefs at all. The Kansas City Chiefs, in my, in my yeah. mind, have a top five running back situation. They completely revamped their offensive line this season with three new acquisitions. They had a lot of injury things that led up to their Super Bowl loss against the GOAT Tom Brady. We'll get into that another time. But uh, they have a top five unit in their offensive line on paper. They have countless scoring opportunities with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes leading that offense there was a clear backfield depth chart. CEH, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, is not going to be threatened by anyone else. Daryl Williams? No. Daryl Williams is not going to threaten him at all. Like He is the RB1. He will get touches. He will have over 260 How many touches? Because Kansas City I have him throws for the like, ball fifth. Uh, like the fifth most. They throw the ball more than Philadelphia, who throws the ball an absurd amount. I watched the Eagles. I'm like, run the goddamn ball. Uh, run the goddamn ball and Philadelphia and the Kansas City throws it even more than them. So I, I like I didn't have them on this list. I think it's a fair point because of it's similar to Green Bay, where it's like having that quarterback just opens the entire offense up and and the scoring opportunities and whatnot. But they don't run the ball a lot. That that's for certain. But and what I think is. They did invest high capital in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Patrick Mahomes himself vouched publicly for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Andy Reid tried to use him at the beginning of the season as a goal line running back, but he did not get creative. He ran him into the A-gap, the B-gap, the A-gap, the A-gap, and he couldn't get in. But what I want to say is that he had just kind of poor touchdown variance like last year. Like If he had two more touchdowns, he's the RB6. And then everyone would have been so happy that they drafted him at the 10th spot in the first round. Like there's just a couple things that could have broken his way and he would be drafted so much higher than he will be in 2021. And this chief's offense, you know, they're going to score. Like they're the top five scoring offense year after year. Now that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are in, in the driver's seat, like, yes, they pass a lot. And what I was a little worried about, with this ranking was they screened a lot of like touch passes within the five yard line to Travis Kelsey. And you for that, to go to CEH. Yeah. Correct. But for that reason, the phenomenal play calling and play design that they offer, I think now that they have a full off season and a year under their belt with CEH, he will be involved in that. They had COVID to deal with. They did not have an off season to script any of these plays with Travis Kelsey has been there. He knows Patrick Mahomes. They have a connection. Now I think CEH can take that next step and be a top 10 running back. I think, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I, I it's not in my top situation, like 10 situations here, but I'm very high on CEH, but what bothers me a little bit about CEH is it's very similar to last year where everyone talks about the opportunity and not about the player. And I was never like very impressed with the player if, if we're being honest here. So I'm excited for the opportunity because of the investment, but yeah, I, I didn't see a ton from CEH where I was like, wow, but everything you said and with COVID could factor in, I'm going to uh, run through 
these uh, honorable mentions real quick with my notes. Sure. Uh, Dalvin Cook, offensive line still bad, already injury prone. Jonathan Taylor, great offensive line, once can't hit a check down. CMC, offense runs through him, but line is really, 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 really bad. So is <laughs> Sam Darnold. Uh, Kamara, line is great. Usage isn't as high. Uh, don't know what's going on with Taysom Hill. QB play is an uncertainty. Cam makers line is good. So is Henderson. So that, yeah, those, that's the, fair. Yeah. Um, those are the other situations. Do you want to get yeah. into breakout candidates or anything I else would, to say about these running backs? I would love to, I, before we do, I would love to gauge your, uh, knowledge, I guess on, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. What do you think he had yards per attempt last year? Uh, 4.3. 4.4. Okay. So you're not, okay. I thought, I thought you would under undersell him there. What I wanted to say is that people drafted him so high. So I think they're a little off of him this year. And in a lot of leagues, I think you can get him out of value this year because of that. I never, I didn't really take him high anywhere. Um, but to me, it's a like, it's a pure juice thing. Like when I watched JK Dobbins, I saw juice when I watched, CEH, I didn't see as much juice. So that's, that's just fair. a pure eye test situation. I think the offer, like the the position he's in is very conducive to high what yards to carry, but I don't know. We can get into breakout I would um, love to. Um, so I got a pretty hot take. Number one, I would love to go if you go first. So I don't feel like a fool. <laughs> yeah. So I had a really hard time ranking these because some of these guys are like incredibly obvious and then some are less so obvious. Uh, so my number one is CD lamb, um, okay. which is like, that's a guy that it's like obvious, but I I think I want to stress more how much CD lamb could break out. Like, I love CD Lamb. Yeah, yeah. Give me CD Lamb all day. I wish I, well, I don't wish I didn't trade him away in Dynasty because I love Antonio Gibson as well. But God, my wide receiver core was beautiful when it was Lamb, Metcalf, <laughs> and uh, McLaren. Yeah. All right. So CD Lamb, over 100 targets with Andy Dalton, Garrett Gilbert, and Ben DiNucci throwing to him for the majority of the year. And then this is something very interesting that I heard. So, uh, Blake Jarwin, Blake Jarwin goes down, right? Mm -hmm. Dalton Schultz does not have the same skill set. So they asked CD lamb to run a lot of tight end routes, run a lot of seam routes where I don't run a lot of hospital balls as they call them. Yeah. I think he ran 91% from the slot or something. Yeah. Now they have Jarwin returning and they can put lamb anywhere they want. They can put him at X, Z, throw him back in the slot. I just think we're going to see his game expand, his production expand. And yes, he's being drafted highly already, but I don't think it's insane to reach for CD Lamb as your wide receiver one at the mid to back end of the second round or something like that, maybe early third round. I don't know. He, he's going so late. And if you believe in CD Lamb, uh, I did rank Amari Cooper higher just because of history, but I have a loose production here for CD Lamb which is 85 catches, 1,300 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Uh, low end, wide receiver Damn. line. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love to hear it because I'm also very high on C.D. Lamb. I did also rank Amari Cooper higher just because I believe he has the precedent in this offense to be the wide receiver one until proven otherwise. And I think if he's healthy, he will be. But I think C.D. Lamb has every opportunity to take that away from him this year. 
like you were saying, he has all the opportunity to move around the formation this year. Dak Prescott will be healthy. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott will be there. Like Kellen Moore knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, Mike McCarthy's an idiot, but Kellen Moore is good. Yeah, that offense is a nightmare to defend against. Like, and Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz will be there as fourth options in the past, fifth options if you count Ezekiel Elliott in the passing game. Like, oh my God, I would not love to be a defensive coordinator against that team. So I love that you have him here because he's a guy I'd love to draft, but I'm a little worried that I'm drafting him too high. So maybe this is the the boost I need to draft CeeDee Lamb in the third round. The thing is, I'm not in position to draft him, and it's, it's painful. Um, yeah, and I am because I'm the eighth pick, so I'm coming back in the third, and I I could potentially get him there. Yeah, yeah, but, but CD Lamb is someone who could easily go in the second round of our that, draft. As a that's what pick. I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah, he he's a top hype guy, so I think somebody will be high on him. Maybe and that's why I have him as number one for me. The hype is absurd, and I'm like, yeah. if I'm talking guys who are really gonna break out into like wide receiver one territory, that's who I think it's going to be. Who did you have at number one? Oh, it's interesting. So I just want to preface this before I get into it. I, I took an approach that I wanted to get one guy from every position. So tight end, quarterback, wide receiver, oh, running nice. back. And then I went with just a filler guy that I thought high on afterwards. So for start, I will go with tight end. And it's a guy who I don't think anyone is really talking about right now. But I want to be the first on Fantasy Bible Pod, dude. So we can get a lot of traction here. Okay. I, I got to post I can't wait to Is this Jacob Harris? No, 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 no. It is not. But it's a similar low-ranked guy. Not quite as low as Jacob Harris. But this is a guy who showed flashes in the pan of being a tight end the top five tight end if he's given the opportunity. He's a guy who, if he was given more snaps... That's his only problem in my mind. He does not get enough snaps. This is a guy who has the physical attributes to be a top tight end just based on what you see on paper, the numbers. He is 6'5", 267 pounds. He caught 80% of the passes thrown his way last year. Mo Ali Cox, tight end for the (laughs) Indianapolis Colts. Hey, dude, guess what? The the tight ends coach for the Minneapolis Colts is now the tight ends coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, baby. (laughs) Because Mo Ali Cox, you know, is like a basketball player that they converted to tight end. Yeah, he was a basketball player. His last or his last actual season in football was freshman year in high school before he entered the NFL. And yet we saw 31 of 39 catches. We saw a two touchdown week where he was the tight end uh, three. I don't know, but he was, he was a high tight end that week. Like <laughs> all I'm saying is if he gets on the field more, he is going to be way higher than he's ranked. Who's he's ranked the, 23 uh, or 24 right now. Who's the quarterback in Minneapolis? Or That's Indianapolis. what <laughs> I wish you would have said. So let me, let me get into my spiel. Before. About Carson Wentz only targeting tight ends? Yes, and about how Molly Cox will benefit from that. So Carson Wentz loves tight ends. He had the highest target rate to tight ends as a position at 33% when he was paired with coach Frank Reich in Philly, who he is now reuniting with in Indianapolis. Mo Ali Cox is a massive human being, six foot five, 267 pounds. For context, Derek Henry, who is also a massive human being, is six foot three and 247 pounds. <laughs> this guy is 
a monster on the field. And guess what? He catches 80% of his passes. He caught 31 of 39 passes thrown his way. And he is also ranked number five tight end overall in PFF rankings. He had no, seven, he's not. Yeah. Dallas Goddard is the number five tight end. I would okay. Well, whatever, that. whatever ranking you sent me was ranked by OFF. I don't know what that is, but I, I sent you the PFF pass blocking. I will ask for run blocking. So that's where disparity is here. But what I wanted to say was he was also very good at blocking, which will give him more opportunity to be on the field for maybe three downs, you know, per play. Like he could be on all three down tight end, but Jack Doyle is still on the roster. Who averaged more snaps? It was Jack Doyle. Doyle. Yeah, Yeah. And I know that I'm just saying, this is a breakout candidate based on what we saw. I know. I like it. I mean, he's good. He's very good. It's kind of a hot take, but I think Carson Wentz being a guy who loves big tight ends and Zach Ertz, we saw Zach Ertz be a top three tight end the year that he, 2017, I think. Uh, I mean, he's been a top five tight end the majority of more years. than one yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. 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 There was just that one year he broke the tight end uh, reception record and he was like two. Exactly. Kelsey. Yeah. So if I'm, Carson Wentz, and I'm taking snaps behind a phenomenal offensive line, and I have the six foot five, two hundred and sixty seven pound guy to throw the ball to, three yards away in the end zone. That's who I'm throwing it to, not T. Y. Hilton, who's like five eight, hundred and eighty pounds, not Michael Pittman, who's like five ten, hundred ninety pounds. I'm throwing it to Mo Alley Cox. Michael I Pittman is big. Oh uh, yeah, I was just kind of talking out of my, you know. Talking out of my own game. Like, <laughs> yeah, Michael Pittman is 6'4, 223 pounds. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm like, like, wait a second. That doesn't sound right. This dude is moving on my rankings <laughs> massively right now. <laughs> so, yeah, Jack Doyle unfortunately takes more snaps, gets more targets. But if they were smart, they would throw two Mo Alley Cox. So, that's what I'm saying. I don't think you should draft him as anything other than a late round, last round flyer unless we see a reason to believe he will get more targets. But if he does, I think he cracks top 10 tight ends. Like, easily. Easily. He has a touchdown upside every single week. That's why I think he does. All it takes is a couple touchdowns on the season for a tight end to be a top 10 tight end. All right, you talked me into Mo Alley-Cox. I'm hype on Mo Alley-Cox now. Um, Nick Sirianni likes Mo Alley-Cox, too. He talked a lot about him and when he did a film breakdown for the Eagles. Smart man. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, and number two, I don't talk a lot about my number two, but I couldn't write what I wrote about Damian Harris in the running back situation and not have him in my breakout candidates. So he is my uh, number two breakout candidate. My projections around thousand rushing yards, six to seven touchdowns, maybe like ten or eleven receptions for maybe ninety yards. So mid-range RB2 to high-end flex, which is a hell of a lot more than he was last year. Yeah, he's being drafted as the running back 32 in mock drafts right now. So in case you are very bad at keeping score, keeping math, there are 32 teams in the NFL, and he is the running back one on that team. So that is his floor, in my opinion. Like, yes, we talked about Cam Newton neutering his upside with touchdown opportunity, goal line touches, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't catch a lot of passes. But I think the general consensus in the football community is that Mac Jones will start at some point in the season. And when he does, that brings 
Damian Harris up to running back two territory. And that's what I love about him because you're getting him at a value. I don't think you should draft him if you're relying on him to play for your fantasy roster in the first few weeks of the season. That's a bad move. Don't do that. You'll be disappointed. You'll be uh, no, no, no. you'll be sending us very fiery emails, and I don't want to read that. And so don't just, take him as your RB2. No, God's what, sake. Even RB3, I wouldn't want to take him. But, but if I have an opportunity where I have a couple locked-in guys and a guy I'm high on, I would love him as my RB4 because I believe halfway through the year, he will be an RB2. And that's the point where maybe you have a guy that's injured and you need a guy to start for you or flex for you. Uh, you maybe you had a wide receiver get injured. Like, I, I think he has immense upside in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Um, who do you have at number two? So it's a guy that I think is talked about a lot in dynasty conversation as far as, you know, what his value is, but I have not heard. I listen to a lot of fantasy football podcasts and media and read a lot of articles. I have not heard a lot of this guy in redraft league conversation. Can I, and can I guess real quick? I'm sure you know who it is. Oh, wait, is it a wide receiver? No. What position? Quarterback. Oh, quarterback. Trey Lance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be Trey Lance. Yeah. yeah this guy could have a thousand yard rushing season if he started week one. Yeah. This guy could have 10 rushing touchdowns as a on a season as a quarterback if he starts week one. This guy will be on a pace to break records similar to Lamar Jackson if he's given the starting role. And that is the only con to this guy if you draft him. Like Trey Lance is a guy you can get for free at the end of your draft. But if you're not planning on starting him week one, it could be the most fantasy savvy draft pick you make in your league the entire year. It doesn't matter what you do, what trades you make, what waiver wire moves you make. This guy could finish every week as a top eight quarterback. Like, and if you're in a super flex league, like this is oh, like yeah. the perfect second quarterback pick. I feel like, yeah, and I think in super flex leagues, from what I've what I've watched and seen from mock drafts and all, he is going pretty high, like third, fourth round. So, oh wow, yeah, that that's yeah. also a reason why I put him in this list as a redraft candidate because if that's how they value him, that means every right. year the, the he will have continues. such an insane yeah. floor as yeah. a Russian quarterback. Yeah, he's to me up there with Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray for upside. If he's on the field every week. He's gonna like they have Kyle Shanahan, a running scheme mastermind, as his head coach. Like they did not trade up to draft this guy just to watch him, you know, squander around as a middling quarterback in the NFL. He will be such a good asset for fantasy football. It's insane. I would love to have this guy in the 15th round, just put him on the end of my roster, man. God forbid my quarterback gets hurt, or if I draft a late round quarterback in 10 to 12 rounds. This guy's going to be my quarterback one in a few weeks. And if you're a fantasy Bible truther and you listen to our uh, our mock draft, not our, our fantasy mock draft, but our real NFL mock draft episode from months ago, you know that out of all the quarterbacks drafted in the first round, Trey Lance ran the most pro-style concepts at North Dakota State than the rest of these guys who are all in very much different, whether it was Air Corey Hell, whether it was spread, something like that. A lot of RPOs and slants in particular for Mr. Trevor Lawrence. I was no one say, ran. Yeah. Number 101, the Trevor Lawrence guy that you've heard a lot about. 
Yeah. yeah, he ran a lot of screens, a lot of out of the backfield passes. Screens, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. And Trey Lance is going to be giving you that running floor, that rushing up, rushing touchdown upside floor. Like, I am so scared if I was an NFC West fan because the 49ers offense with Trey Lance on the field and their defense. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. can. They, they just have, suddenly have like one of the best defenses in the league. It's crazy. Yeah. They could have 42 minutes of possession out of a 60-minute game, and I wouldn't be surprised. That that, yeah. could, that could be a normal thing. Well, since you said the 49ers, I I'm might as well this. mention my number three on this list. My one of my wide receivers, because I didn't do the same as you, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Okay, I'd like to hear the case because I'm honestly a little lower than I thought I'd be. I was warming up to him last season. And then as the offseason has trickled on, George Kittle's coming back. Debo Samuel will be, you know, healthy at the beginning of the season, probably not for the whole season. But I'd love to hear a take that you think he's a breakout candidate. Okay, so C.D. Lamb, what he did with quarterback play last year was like the quarterback play he had was phenomenal. Brandon Ayuk was in a situation where the defense was better. And he put up not similar stats. He had less yards, but he still had over like 700 yards. Not to mention he, had, he gets serious rushing, uh, uh, what you call it, rushing snaps. Um, so I was I was kind of just like trying to figure out like who are people not talking about. I was like, why is no one talking about Brandon Ayuk? Because he's a first round pick last year. 49ers had like this terrible injury ridden season. Not to mention he was on the COVID list a couple of times, but he's still. Averaged 12.8 yards a carry on his rushing attempts. And uh, he just wait, that's of, crazy. What? Yeah. Yeah. 12.8 on rushing attempts. Yeah. And I think he had, oh, man, oh my God. He had a few touchdowns, like a couple long touchdowns as well in, in rushing attempts. Oh, man. He's built. Like this dude is built. And uh, he's, he kind of seems just like the second year receiver that everyone is forgetting about. Um, he also took, like 79% of his receiving steps outside and 21%, 21% in the slot. So he has some versatility there, which is nice to see. That means you can stay on the field longer. And then it's like, who are the pass catchers ahead of him? Quote unquote, ahead of him. George Kittle. George Kittle and Debo 100%. Samuel. And G, I would say Debo Samuel is ahead of him when he's healthy. And, and you I, could argue Debo Samuel. Yeah, it's not like You could strong. argue that, exactly. And so... This guy has like the potential to assert Diva Samuel. George Kittle has more of been an effective target guy because what he does after the catch, he's never been oh a super God. high target guy. Yeah, he's number that ball one in his yeah, hands. He is insane. And he I love is watching that dude. Yeah. I love watching that dude. Um, but yeah, so I, I plus you add in the rushing snaps. I think there's big, a lot of opportunity. Kittle and Samuel are both really injury prone guys. Not that yeah. injuries are a major factor, but they're both guys that are often injured. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of opportunity for Ayuk to break out. Um, I think you can get him really cheap. My uh, projection, 78 catches, 920 receiving yards, eight wow. touchdowns, 18 rushing attempts for 208 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. I think those are fair projections. It's just like kind of shocking to hear that. Cause I think what I'm like kind of, uh, stuck on is we didn't see Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo ever healthy last season. So to me, I don't have a complete picture on what 
his role actually is in that offense. Maybe it was just out of necessity. Like I streamed Kendrick Bourne, their wide receiver four last year. And that was one of my highest scoring weeks just because of necessity. Like that's the only thing I'm worried about with a guy like Brandon Ayuk. If George Kittle and Deepo Samuel and all their running backs are healthy, I don't think he has a ceiling. I don't think at all he has a ceiling. So I, I'm just worried because of where people are drafting him. I think there's going to be a guy a lot higher on him than I am. And he was a guy that I was high on leading from last season to this offseason in, and that I've been cooling off on similar to J.K. Dobbins. I've just been thinking about it maybe too much. I don't know. So this is the number that shocked me the most when I was looking at Brandon Ayuk. How many receptions do you think he had last year? Uh, 79. Okay, well, that's a lot. He had 60. I have him projected for 78, but he only played 12 games. Right. So I, I was I was expecting that his other teammates were injured more. Maybe that's why I said 79, but I think. Yeah, but so I, yeah. So I guess my point is like, I think 78 feels totally reasonable if he if he's healthy for an entire season. And yeah. then you just kind of project outward and you get it around the 900s. And then I think that I expect him to be, he had six rushing attempts for 77 yards um, and two touchdowns last year. So I, I kind of, I went a little harder on the rushing, but I, I like what he did as a rusher last year. So I could see them using him a lot on sweeps. And a lot of the ways that Dito Samuels already used, they're just so multiple there. And it seems like, it, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I think for the NFL like aspect of this all, having Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel on the same roster is such a deadly weapon because you, mm-hmm. you can line them up on each side and you have no idea where that play is going. Even if you, predict, even if you predict it's a sweep to a receiver, you have no idea where it could be weak side, strong side, doesn't matter where George Kittle is. He could even take the handoff for God's sake. Like... Like 11 personnel, 12 personnel, they mean nothing because of how the, the different roles the receivers and the running backs can play. They can they can instantly yeah. become, switch their roles in, in an instant. So, yeah. And, and imagine Trey Lance. Him. Yeah, Imagine Trey Lance is their quarterback. That's why Trey Lance is going to be starting because he unlocks yeah. a whole different level. He's yes. RG3, but Shanahan 5. Well, how many years is it later with that much more knowledge? It's going to be insane. I'm so excited to watch this team play. Like they're easily a super Super Bowl contender if they're healthy in my mind. Like there's no reason that they're not. Oh yeah, like I would bet that. I bet the odds are pretty solid, and you, I bet you can bet them. To get you could definitely the take advantage of those odds right now. Yeah. yeah, like like they did with Jimmy G. And if their ceiling's higher with Lance, forget about it. I mean, it would be a rookie, which would be crazy. But we've seen crazier things happen. Yeah. Um, who uh, did you have at three? So I had a guy that we've both been high on based on our conversations and based on our mock draft that we had. I think there's such a solid case for this guy. We've seen him have a thousand yard season. We've seen him have a 10 touchdown season. If he oh, can do that, we can, if he can do that in the same year, he could finish as a wide receiver one. Like Mike Williams is the wide receiver 50 off the board in consensus rankings right now. You could get him in the 10th or 11th round. And he has the best upside in that range and a high enough floor that you can actually flex this guy, even if you need to, without any further, you know, assurances like, Keenan Allen had 992 yards and eight touchdowns last year, and he's being drafted in the second round this year. He's my consensus ranking 
tight end or nine. sorry, wide receiver. Yeah, nine. I think nine. I had him. Yeah. Like, okay, Mike Williams can do that. So when you say breakout, you're saying that Mike Williams is going to be the, have his highest scoring year this year. Yes, when I'm saying breakout, I'm saying a guy who can take a significant leap in where he's ranked based on where I think he'll finish. Okay, I see. So for me, a breakout, yeah, is like he's ranked wide receiver 49 on Fantasy Pros, 50, 52 on other sites. I don't see why I don't want him as my wide receiver three. Like, I think he's a top 36 wide receiver. The people he's going after are insane. It's yeah. like, I do these mock drafts and I'm like, wait, I you took, took all these that... guys over Mike Williams and yeah. he's still available. I'm yeah. definitely taking him now. Yeah, it's crazy. And I do <laughs> think that this will catch up slightly by the time draft season rolls around, you know, early September. But I don't think it will truly catch up to where he can finish. And God forbid Keenan Allen takes an injury a couple weeks off. Yeah, let's not even put that out there because we love Keenan Allen. I do love Keenan Allen. I'm just saying this guy is the bona fide wide receiver two on his offense in a past first offense, I think. We think, but yeah, probably. With Justin Herbert, uh, who is a guy I would trust in his second year as a quarterback in the NFL to throw the ball. We saw what he could do. Dude, Mike Williams is a guy who would rather score you a fantasy touchdown than have a spine after sunday night like he jumps <laughs> he 10 does, feet in he the does, air ridiculous catches fun, the ball catches yeah. parallel with the ground falls 10 feet lands on his back flat, and then misses four games and then misses four games <laughs> but you better believe he caught that football yeah like, yeah he'll so win if, you your week but not the war <laughs> exactly if he's healthy he's a guy i would start in my wide receiver two or three slot without hesitation i like it i i'm fully uh, the only reason I don't have him on this list is I, like, I kind of feel like he broke out, quote unquote, in that one thousand yard season. I did but think I, about that. Yeah, yeah, but I see what you mean in terms of like this is the year he breaks into extreme relevance. Yeah, um, to me, breakout was like breaking out of your tier. Like he's a wide receiver four or five, and he could think, be a three. I think easily. he's a three. Yeah, yeah, I would say so as well. Um, and four, I have another player we've talked about who I also see in the wide receiver three area. Uh, I won't spend a ton of time on this because I, I don't want to go too long on time here, but Darnell Mooney, of course, is that yeah. wide receiver. Um, this is my kind of like screw stats, screw logic, just use your eyes pick. Just Google Darnell Mooney getting open compilation on <laughs> YouTube and watch it. This dude is runs like a four three five. He's an incredibly clean route runner. He set the Bears franchise reception record for rookies. Uh, he should get better quarterback play. I think Andy Dalton will be a little better maybe, but if I think we're going to see Fields at some point, and Fields should be a lot more better or at least more explosive. They want to get rid of Anthony Miller just because they know what they have in Mooney. Uh, I project 80 catches, 890 receiving yards, eight touchdowns, and eight carries for 47 yards. I love this pick because Darnell Mooney was my number five and he was the guy I threw on the end of my list because I thought you had him as well. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to at least have something prepared to say. And yeah, like Justin Fields in my mind. So the bears have a week six bye. So if they are anything other than three and two or four and one, we will see Justin Fields as a starter, even, even if Andy Dalton starts the year, like, there's also a, a world where Justin Fields starts the year, but I don't think that's possible 
given all the speak around Matt Nagy and his terrible coaching strategy, but, but yeah, like you said, Darnell Mooney is a guy that just based on what I saw on the field, like I watched way too many bears games because I was an Allen Robinson owner in a couple leagues and he was also great, but Darnell Mooney was getting passes wide open, but overthrown or underthrown or off target with like, not a little wide open, like yards oh, way of wide open. Yeah, yeah. Like I could probably complete the pass. It's, yeah, it's, it was egregious. Like this guy, I was I put up on par with any other breakout candidate you have because he's the in my mind the bona fide wide receiver two on this team. Like Allen Robinson is the wide receiver one. There's no doubt in my mind that that will change. But Darnell Mooney is leagues above Anthony Miller. Like Anthony Miller had his chance. He didn't do a goddamn thing with it last year. Love that you mentioned Darnell Mooney. I wanted to mention that. And my number four was Damian Harris. Uh, so so we've, uh, we've talked about Damian Harris probably to death at this point. Yeah. Exactly. So we don't have to go back there. But so you can see from our perspective at the Fantasy Bible, certain mm-hmm. players have a lot of value in the community. I think it would be Mike Williams, Damian Harris, Darnell Mooney. Mooney. Our three we're aligned on. So yeah. the one player remaining on my list that we haven't talked about is one that uh, I could see some pushback on. This is a guy, this is a quarterback that I like a lot. I'd love to fight you on this. Um, I, I want to see if you can guess him. It's a quarterback that uh, I would say has higher PFF grades than people would guess in every year of his career. Um, has not had the best coaching situations and now is in a solid coaching situation. And while the run pass split is not ideal, I think getting certain players back this year, um, also being in the second year for the first time in his playing career in the same offensive system are going to finally unlock this player from a fantasy perspective. And that is. So, Based on what you said, until the last couple sentences, I was thinking Ryan Tannehill. No, it's Baker Mayfield. Okay, I love that because that was my second choice. Yeah, like I don't see any reason he can't be as efficient as Ryan Tannehill with OBJ healthy, with the scheme that he has fully learned last year with uh, Stefanski. Yeah, go ahead. I take the floor, man. Like okay, so he was he was last year was arguably his best year as his, as a quarterback. I know his rookie year was really good, but he was just much more efficient last year. Yeah. He cut down on turnovers. Um, he was like kind of like a a Tannehill Junior in a way, and that he didn't quite have the production. But I think the production is what like my my qualm is with because he's had more production in the past when he's had better receiving weapons in the past, and I don't think. OBJ is completely washed. And I do think the passing game is going to be better this year. They added Anthony Schwartz in the third round. Clearly they want to do more in the passing game. And while they rely on running through the the run game, I think this is a quarterback that can actually sling it. You know, he's not like a game manager. You can, you can limit his aggression to limit turnovers, but his, he's still a guy that can scramble around in the backfield and create in the same yeah. way that Russell Wilson can create and you or, know, Deshaun Watson. or Deshaun Watson can create. Yeah. Exactly. So I just think that we're finally going to see a year where Baker Mayfield breaks 30 touchdowns and breaks 4,000 yards. And I think it's, it's going to be this year for him. So I just have him, you know, look, he's not going to be a QB, like a, t- a top six quarterback, but I could see him and as a low end QB one. 
this year and a guy that you take uh, at the last pick of the year draft as uh, you go no QB or, you know, he's your second QB and you find that you have more than you, you intended when you picked him. Plus like, he's not a guy that is, uh, he's not like a rushing quarterback, but he's not mm-hmm. deficient in the rushing. Like he gets, you know, 150 to 200 rushing yards. It's just a nice little dusting on top of thing to counteract, you know, maybe a, a little more limited passing attempts per game or something like that. So, yeah, I just like Baker Mayfield, the player. I think he's a player that has shown throughout his career that he's going to do what it takes to get to the next level from being a walk-on when he started his career to a Heisman mm-hmm. winner. Um, so, yeah, I, I just like the player. And I think that if I have to pick a quarterback who no one's really thinking about this year uh, that could be a QB1, uh, Baker Baker would probably be my guy. Yeah, I definitely like the take. He's a guy, he's probably the last quarterback I'd feel comfortable taking just because I feel like I, now that I know what he did last year, I know what I'm getting this year. And there's there's so many people who have bad takes that say, oh, well, he did so much better without Odell Beckham Jr. He's going to, you know, not help him this year. That's, you're stupid. No, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're stupid. I love the idea that, like, oh, adding Odell Beckham's going to screw up the offense. Oh, right. Like, the guy had 3,500 passing yards last year, which is not a lot in the modern NFL. Like, no. Uh, OBJ is going to add to that just because he's OBJ. And I know he's not the same OBJ, but come on now. Exactly. Like, you have a situation where they have such a precedent on run first offense defenses have to sell out they're running the ball first second maybe even third down because they're third and three like they run the ball so efficiently that they can be third and three and still run the ball and get a first down okay now you have Jarvis Landry Odell Beckham Jr you have Jonathan Peoples Jones and even the other guy that that I'm not remembering (laughs) but Uh, yeah but uh, who is the or, other guy? Rashad Higgins. Yeah, Rashad Higgins. Anthony like, Austin Hooper. Anthony exactly. Schwartz. There's they, there's weapons there. Do they, still have, do they still have David and Joku? I yeah, they do still have David and like, Joku. This offense is underrated stacked. Like yeah, yeah. You could be talking about top offenses and you could say Buccaneers. And then if you said Cleveland Browns second, I'd be like yeah. <laughs> well, we're feeling the Chiefs, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you talking sure. about just like stacked in terms of like throughout depth, the depth? depth. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. running back depth, got to be the best in the league, right? Absolutely. I have them as the top two duo, like the top tandem running back in the league, hands down. Yeah. And draft Kareem Hunt, like in, in the, he's going in the fourth yeah. round. And I don't think that's absurd. Like, I've, I've seen him going in the sixth. That's like, insane to me. I would yeah. love to get him in the sixth. Right. So Nick Chubb is going, all right, full disclosure. I'm about to out myself. I'm picking in the eighth spot in our main league draft. It could come to bite me in the, the Adam case soon. But if I drafted Nick Chubb at 108, I'd be happy. And Kareem Hunt is going in potentially the sixth round. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'm probably doing it wrong. So what I should be doing that I also shouldn't broadcast, but I, <laughs> but I will <laughs> is draft Tyreek Hill at 108 and then, and then just, draft Kareem Hunt at 60. 
or I just think, reach on him a little bit because like then you're still getting that brown yeah, production exactly yeah. yeah no it's like whenever i i mock i'm at the 101 spot so i, I have to take cmc which is kind of whack unless i can trade that pick away which i'm kind of hoping to do um, i would love to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to do it for someone in the top four or five so they'll get an rb1 but get like an extra third or fourth round pick out of it or something you like could that. get zeke or chubb at 108 i could get but you would have to give me a lot i actually have a chart in my notebook of what everyone would have to give me to move up to the <laughs> spot so i can reference what the 108 spot would be and we can talk later after the would pod. love to would love to. <laughs> um but yeah i uh yeah brown's running backs we like him all right we can close this one out probably uh yeah probably <laughs> Do we have anything else to say? Any personal updates? Happy 4th, of course. The 4th is coming up. Happy Um, 4th of July. We will be having our first official fan meet and greet. Oh, yeah. If you want to come out to Dane's house, we're doing a meet and greet at Dane's (laughs) Barbecue. It's in downtown Orlando. Email us for the address. Yeah. And we will uh, let you know. We'll background check you to make sure you're not going to, you know, light the place on fire. But other than that, We'd love to have our fans at this event. Like, we got our number one fan. How about our number two fan? I don't know who that is. Yeah. Assert yourself. You could be the number two fan. I know there's one of you. Another one of you (laughs) out there. Um, All right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, also, I want to talk about this new phone I got real quick. Shout out Apple. Let's get a sponsorship from Apple. Um, I've got an iPhone. (laughs) Yeah. So, my, uh, my iPhone 11 has been cracked for like a year now, but finally the cracks have given way to water damage and weird ghosting effects on the screen. So I bought a new iPhone and I opted for the iPhone 12 mini, which is incredibly tiny. It's like, Oh, you know, like it looks about the size of my iPhone SE two. Yeah. So it's like, it's a little bit smaller than the SE two and and the SE two is already fairly small. Yeah. Yeah. It's eight inches. I believe eight inches. That, that's huge uh, <laughs> no 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 like corner to corner eight inches no 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 it would be like 3.7 I mean, or 4.5 or something like that hold on let me gauge this is 5.4 <laughs> and this is my old phone and this is the new phone I'm holding up next to you this is great podcasting and you can't really see because well all right so i have a terrible preconception on what like spatial recognition (laughs) i need to message a lot of my past girlfriends (laughs) yeah it's 40 inches what what do you mean babe (laughs) um yeah no that's uh that's so all i want to say is small phones they're the way to go this thing is tiny it fits in my hand i can text with one hand I can do the swipe thing. I'm never going to drop this thing because my fingers can wrap like all the way around it. Team small phone. Um, Team small phone. Yeah. iPhone SE2, a pretty garbage phone. Like, <laughs> like you don't get the top tier cameras. Look at, you can see Nathan oh, wow, at, in yeah, the reflection. reflection. The woo. And, but what I'm saying is you get the same uh, processor, you get the same camera as the iphone 11 but we're in 2021 so that's kind of outdated i bought this phone a year and a half ago with my stimulus check thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks u.s government yeah what a what a joke that was all right 
Yeah, we can probably close this out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. What are we doing next week? Do we talk? All right, we don't know exactly what we're doing next week, but in future weeks, you can look forward to our divisional preview where we will be going oh, division yeah. by division, talking about every team, talking about the biggest off-season season impacts on each team. So, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, they've got a new head coach. How's that going? And Mike be? Davis, the running back two of your draft that you should be drafting. Well, that's to be debated. I mean, you should definitely be drafting him higher than his ADP right now. Yeah, his ADP is very low, and uh, you've seen the quads. So, Quadzulu. What else more is there to say? Anyway, at Fantasy Bible Pod, that's where we can be found. We can also be found at thefantasybible.com. Check out our quarterback ranking articles. Check out our tight end rankings when they're up. Check back next week for some more stuff we're going to write up. And send your questions at that yeah. website that he just mentioned. Just go to contact, just fill out the form. We'd love to answer some questions. It would give us some good content for a very slow off season. Uh-huh. Word, brother. <laughs> All right, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>